0: In this live, we will talk about time, autism and free time. And hopefully we'll talk about time, not from a philosophical perspective, but more from a lived experience. (laughs) Um, So let's see. We have a few guests. Taffy's coming already. And um, we also have with us and we will have Mackenzie so welcome everybody let's see let's see if um, time hello let's see if free time is really something that autistic people enjoy or autistic children enjoy so I think everybody and I'm trying to bring everybody hi Mackenzie Hi, Hi, Mackenzie. Well, oh, where's Taffy? I've already accepted her. Let's see. <laughs> Come on, are you coming? Come on board, we need you. There she oh, is. Hi. Hello, <laughs>
1: lovely
0: Yes, it's nice to be a bit face to face, isn't it? It is. Well, it's our normality now. Yay. So Jen always likes to start with introductions. So over to you, Jen. All
2: right. Well, I'll just do myself real quick and then pass the pass the mic. I'm Jen Slayton, I'm a psychotherapist and an autism coach, and I come from a neurodiverse family, and so I was kind of drawn to be doing this without knowing why, and then I figured out why. So um, I'm really excited to be here and have our amazing guests. So um, Mackenzie, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
3: Sure. I'm Mackenzie, and I'm an autistic and ADHDer, and I run a YouTube channel where I make informational uh, videos about autism and neurodivergency. I also run an Instagram page and a Facebook page, um, doing the same as well, Uh, and I hope to one day uh, start a business uh, for neurodivergent people and geared towards them
2: great i've i've seen some of your videos and you're amazing and you're so vulnerable and open and you know i learn a lot from listening to you so i'm just excited that you're here to talk with us. thank you thank you go ahead Taffy. um
1: it was love. it's lovely to meet you Mackenzie, because i've never met you before Um, So I'm Taffy for those who don't know. Um, I'm a proud mum to three beautiful children. Um, I've got a 12 year old girl. Um, You know, she's, yeah, (laughs) she's amazing. And um, I've also got twin boys. So I've got um, Oliver and Oscar. Um, Twin one, who's Oscar, um, does have development delay, but um, the gap is um, quickly closing. Um, However, twin two, he has been diagnosed, um formally diagnosed with autism, um, and he's also nonverbal, so formally diagnosed as not nonverbal. He was diagnosed when he was two. Um, so that completely changed my life. Um, I guess for the good and also it you know it creates challenges as well, um, but it has given me a really, really meaningful identity. Um, so you know every day is um it's, it's a surprise, isn't it? And um, so we roll with the punches. Um, my son needs support with um, interaction skills, speech and language, and also um, just independent understanding of um, what is asked for him, as well as expression. So that's what well, I'm also a working mum. I exited um, corporate um, world because um, of my son's needs that I've just described, um, and I guess uh, it was difficult to fit in. So it's made me challenge myself as well in terms of starting a business because I didn't want to give up on my career. So this is a positive that's come from my son's diagnosis. So that's me. Wow. Thank you,
2: Taffy. And I just have to say, Taffy and I do clubhouse rooms together. And <laughs> if it, people don't know it's an audio app. So you don't have any. Uh, this is the first time I've talked to you face to face. It's amazing. <laughs>
1: well, I- <laughs> I must say, um, what you're all doing is amazing. Um, and you know, I would like to express gratitude because, um, if it wasn't for um the advocacy and also, um, just showing people what autism is about, um, the world wouldn't be as good as it is now. Um, we've got a long way to go, but, um, thanks to you, Bella, um, and all your other friends. Um, it is getting better. It is getting better. So thank you.
2: Thank you so much. And, um, If anybody does want to know more about Clubhouse, you can DM Taffy or myself, and we'll hook you up. (laughs) (laughs) Bella, do you want to go ahead and um, introduce yourself?
0: yes 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 and then we can start the topic <laughs> i'm bella i am um, a teacher i work with autistic children i'm a music teacher sorry i forgot to get uh, some guitars and stuff i work um, with autistic children delivering sessions for their well-being for improving speech and language social skills and um, technically anything they have some struggles with um can be approached in a way with music even potty training or transitions through the day and things like that so yeah depending on the child's needs I adapt my sessions and my songs and the interactions and the musical games that we do.
2: Thank you Bella and I must say I've learned a lot from you too I learned a lot about how music can it Help everything with with yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, so um, I'm gonna read a short chapter from the book. The reason I jump, Naoki Higashida was 13 at the time he wrote it as a nonverbal autistic boy, and he used the alphabet board. So he's kind of the basis for um, starting our discussion today. And this chapter is, says, do you enjoy your free time? So you write, so what do you do in your free time? Because for people with autism, free time is, in fact, unfree time. You can do whatever you feel like doing now, someone might tell us. But actually, it's pretty hard for us to find something we do feel like doing, not just like that. If we happen to see some toys or books, we're already playing with or reading, then sure, we'll pick them up. Thing is, however, that's not so much what we want to do as something we can do. Playing with familiar items is comforting because we already know what to do with them. So then, of course, people watching us assume, aha, so that's what he likes to do in his free time. What I really want to do, however, is to get stuck in some difficult book or to debate some issue or other. We are misunderstood and we give anything if only we could be understood properly. People with autism would be suffering breakdowns over this all the time if we weren't holding ourselves so tightly. Please understand what we really are and what we're going through. So that's the end of that chapter. And I just find this so um, helpful to know that because, you know, working with so many families with autistic kids, is it that they want to be doing these kind of repetitive behaviors? Do we let them? Do we interrupt it? So um, I'd love to hear from you guys what you think about that. Um, Mackenzie, do you want to go ahead and start and comment on the chapter or whatever kind of it triggers for you?
3: I thought this was a really interesting chapter here um, because it can go kind of either way for me. Um, There is times where I'm doing something that's just within my view because it's free time, basically just any space of time that I didn't plan something for or whatever, or something didn't fall through, and I will be inclined to choose within my. view and that won't always be what um, I would, in hindsight, later on, like to spend time on. Uh, when I actually enjoy free time, it's um, more time that's framed, so to speak, there's a structure. So I do have free time in my schedule, but it's usually scheduled in free time. It's uh, for relaxing activities and stuff like that. It's already scheduled in. It's not um, just I'm going to spontaneously choose what I want to do this moment. Um, It's just an activity that I put in there that I know I'll enjoy and I'll feel satisfied and gratified to spend time on later uh, versus uh, spontaneously making a decision on. I rarely enjoy those moments where I do that.
2: Thank you. So do you, um, is your day pretty scheduled? Do you, is even the, the kind of downtime or breaks or whatever, is it all pretty scheduled for yourself?
3: Yes. Um, the times that I'm relaxing, they're already kind of scheduled in there. There's a tiny bit of wiggle room just because I might have a really off day. I might be having sensory issues really bad that day and it's good to have a little extra time in each uh, time slot but every morning I do my little pacing routine uh, when I get my coffee and I find that very relaxing throughout the rest of the day but it's mm-hmm. scheduled in there and I do it every morning um, and when my niece comes over uh, we have this little scheduled time where uh, I watch movies with her because I want to spend time with her And I'll feel really satisfied that I gave her my absolute attention during that time. And I do find it relaxing as well to spend time with her. But all of these relaxing times are usually scheduled in. And my day is usually scheduled. It's the rare off day that I do a spontaneous day. And it's usually because it's led by somebody else um, that I love. And I'll indulge them. And that's how that comes about. But usually... I'll plan out my days, I'll have projects to do, and
2: that makes me really happy to spend time on. Thank you, that's really helpful. Um, And if anybody listening wants to type in the chat what you do for your free time, or is it challenging for you when you have free time? um, We'd love to hear from you too. Taffy, how about your your son? What does he do with Um, free time?
1: Yes. You know, it's interesting. Um, as you were reading, um, uh, that Nike uh, you know, he describes free time as unfree time, and that's how I have seen it. Um, obviously, Oliver is nonverbal, so I, I can only guess or try and find out um, in nonverbal ways. Um, but it does seem as if um, he does need more of a structured um, world around him for him to be able to cope in terms of um, processing. Um, and also regulation um so we we do have more concrete um schedules for him um, in terms of visible schedules but um what we have, de- have decided to do um as well as the school is um give him options so during the day he'll have um you know minimum of two um opportunities to pick from three visual activities for those three times and um you know as Mackenzie mentioned I guess it's that comfort isn't it even Aoki says it's that comfort in knowing that that activity you have done that before so for him at least um we know he somewhat enjoys it it might not be the actual activity but it will be that routine that he, the familiarity of it um but what we also do is um slowly we add in so sometimes depending on um his day um if he's had a good day we will add you know, another two options in terms of the visual cards. Um, And that also increases his, you know, his choices as well and variation. Um, And hopefully as he gets older, he'll be able, he will have the knowledge to be able to pick uh, what he feels um, is interesting for his free time. Um, You know, one thing that we've spoken about before um, on Clubhouse is the fact that, you know, I've noticed that free time, well, Oliver doesn't really have a concept of time um, because of that structure. You know, he, you know, he sees the morning and that's it. He, he bases his times on his schedule. So he really heavily relies on that. Um, so yeah, that's what, what um, I can add. And yeah, the chapter does resonate um, with me and it, it helps me to understand uh, my son's world yeah thank
2: you thank you sounds like that's a you really figured out what works for him you know and and how he has comfort and make like he's able to make choices
1: and things and that he needs that i think yeah and i think his, um, just being aware of um you know sensory his sensory processing sometimes if you know if he's over or under um those images might not be um, what he is looking to choose, even if he is comfortable and familiar with those activities. So, like you say, Jen, it's just being open um, to various options and challenges, I guess, during the day.
2: Yeah, thank you, Taffy.
0: Yeah. Um, Bella, do you want to read any comments or comment on this topic? Um. Yeah, I uh, I just saw Claire, she says, I uh, do creative projects in my free time, scroll Instagram or watch TV shows or sometimes a film if I have nothing important to do. I can struggle to relax, though, even when I really need to. I feel like I have to be doing things in my free time to be productive. Um, yeah, so that's what Claire said, but... Um, mm-hmm. I also, in my work with um, little ones, I can tell that they, um, if I am, uh, you know, when I was a teacher at school and we would do uh, music with the early years or very young years, like year one and year two, I was teaching, um, which is like five, six, maximum seven years old. They were more than happy if, uh, if we were doing music and I was just letting them explore the musical instruments but when I tried that with the autistic children in my um, uh, music studio they'd either throw them away or just look at them or like dig into them but not actually playing them or um, yeah or creating a particular pattern or trying them to see how they sound Uh, not particularly so uh, what I do is like what Mackenzie says when I have my sessions with the children that are coming to my studio I I use um, like a sequence So I have number one and I put the instruments or the scarves or whatever we are using, you know, like fitness balls we use or, you know, bouncing balls for self-regulation and lots of other things um, that I use. So that's like for number one. Then I put number two and I put specific other, you know. Instruments or tools or whatever I'm using, and number three and number four, and um, then I have the last one, which is might be number four or number five, or if it's a child who really struggles to, um, you know, carry on an activity for more than two three minutes, we get up to six or seven, and the last one has a hand and bye bye on it, meaning bye bye. So they go around around my studio, following this sequence, and um, I am. Um, yeah, it, it, it seems that the exploring time, which I might consider it as a free time in a music section, is, is not quite there, I have to say. And uh, recently I've started working with some teenagers um, who are autistic and they were telling me what Claire was saying, that they technically Study or work or write or do something until the minute they actually go to sleep. <laughs> so there's no relaxation built in, there's no relaxation for them because they feel they have to do something. They feel they have to do something for their brain. So we started to structure some free time exactly what um, uh, Mackenzie said. So I'm more interested in <laughs> finding more about that to be honest because I don't know. I, I, Yeah, it seemed, um, yeah, we we probably, I don't know, I I went with the saying, fake it until you make it. I said, let's fake it. I don't feel I need free time, you know, every two hours. I don't feel I need a little break. And I said, well, let's fake it until we make it. But they didn't seem to be taking it very well. We we all know, you know, this type of language with autistic people doesn't go very well. So I was thinking, "Uh, how can I put that? you know, how can I make them more aware that actually they need this time don't they? not just work or you know, do what they are doing. And they are very studious ones, the ones that I'm working with. So they have their books there, writing and everything else, um uh homework and extra homework until they close their eyes, you know, to sleep and it's raining uh, them.
2: Yeah, it seems like um, Mackenzie, do you think that if there's not the structure or there's just a a break or something is it, it feel like anxiety if you don't know what you're going to have you like you have to fill all your time or you feel anxious. Oh, my God, uh, you're
3: just that over there was just making me laugh so much because I am exactly <laughs> like that. Um, i I definitely even like I'd say seventy percent of my free time is spent doing projects um uh yeah <laughs> I am definitely guilty of this too Bella and I, I have a lot of trouble uh relaxing in the very typical way I see um other people relaxing like I take an account um at least for me, I don't find being still uh like the way I see other people like sitting down and watching t v and just relaxing your body. I don't find that very relaxing um overall. I can do it if I'm like with my knees, usually she's a wiggle worm and we'll be doing all kinds of crazy stuff together um but The actual, oh, we're going to sit down and have a break and chat with friends and do this type of thing is so not relaxing for me. Um, I like to stay on focused on one task, and that I find very relaxing and rewarding. Um, But the other stuff is kind of, yeah, anxiety-inducing. I can't tell, to tell you the truth, whether it's – was learned over the course of time. That's why it's anxiety inducing and I don't like it. Or if it, um, it just doesn't keep my brain occupied and it makes it go a little bit wild when I'm just sitting there doing nothing. Um, and then that creates the anxiety. I also ADHD or two. So, um, I, I, Get really restless and I need a lot of movement and doing things to uh maintain my cool throughout the day um I also I'm, I'm laughing about you saying all that too because me and my sister actually run another YouTube channel forgot to mention that one uh lifting the sweet life about like just a daily diary of our lives and uh the course of our businesses and stuff and we had a whole episode on how we don't know how to relax <laughs> how we're constantly doing stuff.
2: <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mackenzie. But I also wonder, you said that when you really focus on a project, that, that is relaxing for you. Would that be your form of relaxing, do you think?
3: Yeah. I feel really at ease uh, when I'm fully into a project. I can focus all my brain power mm-hmm. there. And while I'm thinking, like, a thousand things at once, it seems like, uh, it's all on topic. And it's nothing too distracting. And it feels really um, satisfying, especially when I'm creating posts, creating videos. Mm -hmm. And um, it also, uh, I guess, it's done with intention, too. Like, I'm intending to sit down and do this. And this is my purpose. I feel really good about this. I know why I'm doing it. I think that's a big part of it, too. Um, if I don't know why I'm doing something and how this, that, all the little details, um, it just doesn't feel very good. I think I got a trouble a lot as a kid because I, I wouldn't know why we were doing something. So I'd be that kid over there being like, why, why, what is That doesn't make sense. Um, Doing all that in the corner there, um, irritating the crud out of the teacher and other people. Um, But I definitely know why I'm doing the projects, uh, why I'm doing all that. The why of the free time, I get it as an adult. Um, It's supposed to be good for my mental health and recharge and stuff like that. I know that logically. It doesn't really play out
2: like that in real life. Well, thank you, Mackenzie. I mean, one of the things that it's so interesting to me, I worked with so many autistic children and there's s- some, but it's pretty common for some autistic kids that you have to explain why before they'll agree, to, they'll have to understand why before they'll agree to do something you ask them to do. So I think that's pretty common. And then the other thing that I'm wondering is You know, a neurotypical brain, for me, if I'm doing a focused project, I can enjoy it, but it it drains me. And so then I need time to just, you know, lay on the couch or do, you know, do something that lets my mind go. But I'm wondering with an autistic brain, if it's kind of the opposite, that letting the mind go actually can create more anxiety and is not relaxing, but the focusing is the way that you relax, the way that you, you know, instead of thinking I need to relax like a neurotypical person, I don't know. Taffy, what do you think?
1: I think you're right. That's what I um, seem to um, see with Oliver. Um, You know, like you say, we, us neurotypical people um, do get tired. We do get drained, especially as introverts. But when um, Mackenzie was talking um, about relaxation, um, and I was thinking about Oliver, like, um, there are days where we think, oh, let's just relax and have a, um, you know, a duvet day, let's say, or um, a late, a lay in um, to get up later. And um, he will, as soon as his eyes open, he's up, up until he goes to bed. Um, So we even find, um, like, when watching a film, for example, he will, he has to be constantly walking, so standing up and walking around. But it's giving him that opportunity, I guess, to to um, stimulate his brain. It's yeah, it's as if it's that cause and effect. As Mackenzie was talking and um, saying that there's a there's a purpose, isn't there? Um, there's a reason, and for him, you can see in his brain, it makes sense for him to <clears throat> do it. And sitting there or relaxing doesn't make sense to him. He needs. His brain to be stimulated or his body to be moving. Right, right. (laughs)
2: Thank you. Bella, do you want to read some of the comments?
0: Yeah, it says that what Mackenzie was saying earlier, you know, about pacing and enjoying physical exercise. Some other autistic people seem to um, resonate with that. So Helen says, I enjoy gym and creativity creativity let's go with that and dance class I do a lot of pacing around the house so Sarah, actually autism I am a very active person and enjoy certain exercises because they help me channel my nervous energy I love to create things which are hyper focus on and helps me relax Um well hi Dr. Al Robinson this is a real life by the way we did a test the other day with Claire Jen (laughs) and we had people joining (laughs) thinking that it's our life (laughs) okay so um, emotions learning content they say my son chooses dress up in free time he will use anything like mixing bowls and hats etc and will paint his face but he won't be watched is his time his rules (laughs) bless him (laughs) that makes sense (laughs) um i've always had to plan in free times as sarah um on my visual timetable for the day but the free time is usually structured and repetitive very rarely it is spontaneous i like Pre- predictability and familiarity, uh, aspiration in motion. My son is nonverbal autistic and is deaf and uh, visually impaired, so needs tactile signs and interaction. It's a long time to get involved in any physical activity and it's hard to get energetic and probably find enthusiastic people to work with him. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, yes, uh, lots of pacing around the house and heavy gym activities. <laughs> I think, um, it's uh, yeah, it might be who, who did we talk to when they said that, um, you know, the deep pressure and the like heavy exercise is also related to the sensory issues, not particularly like uh, meeting mm-hmm. sensory needs. I think we talked some point with somebody in one of the lives that said that they enjoy that deep pressure um oh that's
3: a good I one yeah on,
0: Mackenzie say it again
3: I have, I have a weighted vest I like uh deep pressure things so I know some autistic people uh have uh something where they like the constriction vest that it's tight on them and it helps them with their sensory issues. I definitely prefer weighted things. Um and it's definitely very relaxing. Um I have like weighted blanket on my bed, weighted vest and then I have a weighted like sleep mask too. <laughs> Got all that stuff. Very relaxing.
2: <laughs> wow. That's yeah, good for you for figuring that out. You know, and for some people the weight is uncomfortable, you know, so yeah. Um, but Taffy, I saw you write a comment and I can't really, would you want to go ahead and verbalize what you were commenting? Yes.
1: Um, I was just wondering, Um, you know, hopefully Mackenzie, maybe you could steer me in the right direction. Um, But as a, a neurotypical, I find getting into hyper-focus, um, it can take a while. So it can be very uh, frustrating when you've got a limited time of, let's say the free time to become creative Um, How do you deal with that? Um, Because it would be helpful to know for my son, um, when it's time to stop, you can tell he goes into meltdown or anxiety, but it's because he has no concept of time. So how do you manage that?
3: Uh, Yeah, that one is very difficult. Don't get me wrong. Even now, to this day, I have a real problem transitioning. Um, It's worse. When I uh, reach the end of the day, uh, I get even worse about uh, redirecting myself onto my schedule. My sister uh, frequently will remind me that it's time for me to go to bed because I like to go to bed at a certain time, but if I get on the topic that is one of my special interests or a hyper-focus in the time, I will want to talk about and talk about it, and I'll keep on doing it till I very shut the door and go in my room. Um, it's really hard to refocus. Um, and I even need help to this day doing that. Um, it really depends on ability level uh, and how you communicate with him to start off because I'm better at that when I know it's coming, um, so to speak. So if you have digital clock set out and you have like a 10 minutes so we got a shop and that type of thing. It might help, but it's something even I struggle with to this day, mm-hmm. and it feels really good, which is part of the issue. Um, and it's really enjoyable, so it's really, really hard to pull away. Um, try to imagine whatever activity you find most enjoyable and somebody pulling you away from that one. Um, and then you have an added uh, communication difficulty on top of that. So I can tell that you're probably working very hard to try to figure something out to make it easier for him because uh, my brother was also diagnosed at a young age and he had way more uh, outward meltdowns compared to me. Uh, his was his Legos, uh, Disney, all that. And there was always these frequent meltdowns going on. Um, it was much better, though, when he was aware um, that it was coming. Like, it wasn't a surprise. And sometimes it had to be um, become routine, that it always stops at this time. And eventually, um, even I got used to routines where even if it was something very exciting or anything like that, I um, put it into the routine. I'm done at this time with this activity, and I got to stop. And even... Honestly, it still feels agonizing sometimes to pull away. I can do it once I get in the routine of it. Um, and some days it's harder than others. Probably not the best thing you wanted to hear.:
1: uh, but... actually is because um it's always good to know that I'm going in the right direction. I know um, you meet one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, but it does help because, like you say, he is nonverbal, so it's, it's I'm closer to understanding and yeah, like you're saying, um, when you mentioned the clocks, having things around um, visuals, you know, that is a very good point and getting things into his visual routine. So I will be trying that. And also Uh, that it is hard for all of us, isn't it, to move on?
3: (laughs) It really is. Um, And I definitely think like there's a time awareness for me too where I'm very bad at telling the passage of time, so when you say, oh, we're going to be done at this time, and it kind of feels like it was like five, ten minutes that I got to spend on this good stuff, um, it feels a little bit heart-wrenching when you're like, we're done now, (laughs) but I'm laughing about that, but it it does feel like that sometimes, so.
2: Yeah, I was going to comment, too, we had um, one of our guests, Sonia, had talked about that, that um, with her son, um, he's older and he's verbal and explains to him that he will be able to play again. Like there's not necessarily a sense of time. And so stopping it, it's like almost traumatic, but when they can understand that they'll get to play again, um, that that can be helpful. And so when it's really routine and visual, um, would you agree with that, Mackenzie? Does that seem to resonate? Oh, yeah,
3: that's really important. Um, cause I forget about this too, when like the actual emotion is occurring one time, like you said it's it's over with now, and it feels really upsetting. and one, at least for me, I forget that I'm not going to be upset about this anymore at one point when you're kind of in the eye of the storm, so to speak, of that emotion. I know it's like an emotional regulation Mm -hmm. issue, um, but it feels like it's forever in that moment. And it does feel quite upsetting. Um, And I I eventually got to the point, and this is the result where I, myself over and over that this is like a temporary emotion and that it is, the happiness is going to come back again, so to speak. Um, so the activity is going to happen again. We're going to be able to do this again, I think would be very, very helpful.
2: Thank you. That's really helpful to hear. To hear yes. That. It is. Yeah. Bella, do you want to check the comments for us?
0: them. Well, um, we got them. Um, a tip for you Taffy. <laughs> um, I've been, uh, Claire says, I've been doing about this in my adult education course, issues with transitions. Um, what about giving him a couple of warnings, like we will be doing something else in 20 minutes, then 20 minutes, then again in 10 minutes. Um Uh, It's it's a good one, uh, Claire. But in my experience with the autistic little ones, um, you will need to use a visual like an hourglass or a timer or anything like that. Because just saying, "We're doing it again," or "We finish," or (laughs) "In ten minutes," "In two minutes," or anything, we're telling our daughter, "You jump." you'll have a short time of 10 minutes and 10 minutes later we call her back in because it's school time and I jumped for a short time and we have a big meltdown down over <laughs> there so sometimes we prefer to be late at school so that she does her routine before we take her to school <laughs> so yeah I need a help of a visual I mean yeah no, I just wanted to say that um it's it, it's for me for example in my um area of work <laughs> um I found that um using those numbered activities really really helped and um, sometimes because they know it's one, and then it's two, and then they really enjoy number two, and we repeat it for a long, for a you know a longer time than normal. And then I said, we still have number three and number four before we have to say goodbye. If you still want to play number one, then we'll have to give up to number three. And I, very rarely it happens because the sequence is kind of so clear in their head, you know, because they see the numbers in here. Very uh, rarely it happened that they said, oh, I don't want number three, I want to stay with number two. And in that case, I tell them, oh, can you bring me number three in here? So I take the number away and then can you bring me the props for number three? And I put them away so that they are not visible Then, and then we enjoy again with number two. And then we say, well, what's the next number? And then they think, or we talk it through and say, number three is gone, we don't have it, it's number four. Because if they really enjoy an activity and they want to repeat it, I have to skip one of the other ones. But I think it just helps a lot as well. And of course, all of those visual timetables that work with some autistic children, we use them to be very effective, Um, and help with the transitions i've always used not pictures random pictures from the internet i took a photo of the child doing that particular thing and that's how i've done it and of course singing a song and giving them time because it's It's a lot faster to say, you know, tidy up time, come on, sweetheart, we'll tidy up or tidy up in two minutes. But if you have a tidy up song, it takes you about two, three, four minutes to sing it two or three times. And that will be enough time, you know, for them to stop, to realize, you know, that something else might um, uh, take place or to even stop and look at you and enjoy the song. And then they might not want to go back to that activity you you might be able to steer them (laughs) towards whatever you want to do you know bedtime or anything else and also singing you know at that steady beat you provide them with a perfect you know input for the brain for the neurons to fire in perfect order instead of just a random order that you are talking to them so it helps with self-regulation so they might be able to they might be more open towards finishing that activity and moving on as compared to just saying let's go. <laughs> That's yeah. Such a good I'm, reminder. I
2: always I always love when you bring us back to music in the brain, Bella. <laughs> such a good
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially this um the steady beat that self helps self-regulate the brain pre- plays an important role because instead of the brain going into that distress, is something I love is taken away or it's finished, actually you just help with the self-regulation and you might avoid all of the dysregulation that happens when something really dear is taken away or finished. <laughs> finished now, it's brushing teeth time, yeah. Uh, oh, somebody else. <laughs> what was that, Bella? Sarah says, "I love music for transition times. I use music between activities, and I have certain playlists." We talked about that, Mackenzie did, not we. <laughs> yes, yeah. I heard. Th- I heard that live,
2: you guys. That was really helpful too. Yeah. Something that I um do with some kids that can be really helpful is prepare them emotionally for what's to come. So if they have the receptive ability to say, you know, we're coming close to the end and I know that makes you really sad and you might feel like crying when we turn off the video and it's okay to cry, Mom is here, you know, I'll be with you, I'll help you, you know, to kind of prepare them for that and then it's okay to be emotional because sometimes oh. you
1: know they just can't help it so yeah point, um gem because um i think i've shared with you before that i was um i hesitated with being verbal in terms of um i guess giving too much because i worried that oliver wouldn't be able to process too many words so i right. limit um You know verbalizing what was happening and um you know when I spoke to you a few months now ago um and you said you know you should try because the reality is you are then painting a picture for them a clearer picture for them um and I found that that helps um because he now is able to filter out what he can't really understand or what doesn't really matter to him and pick out what he needs to pick out to know what is coming next and you're right um it's even in the motion because the thing is um what we say sometimes doesn't match what we the, the way we look so that nonverbal versus verbal um, <laughs> um communication so i think the more again we verbalize to them they're able to match because we all look different when we're talking mm-hmm. and they're able to match that when i'm saying you know it's okay the way I look when I'm saying it's okay, it means it's okay. So yeah, that's a very good point and something that I've learned along the way.
2: Yeah. yeah, thank you, Taffy. Yeah. All right. Um Go ahead, Bella, were you gonna say something?
0: No, I'm just oh. um, commenting something in here. <laughs> Somebody was asking. Us if we tried singing bowls, no, I haven't. I'm not sure if I can buy them from somewhere, but I've heard of it and I watched the videos on YouTube about them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm are. not a very big fan, I have to say, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've watched some videos.
3: <laughs> I don't like the ones that are that they have different materials for them, I like the ones that are metal which is weird because I usually don't like metal playing um, stuff and everything. But then they have these glass ones that make those weird sounds that freaks me out. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I do like the singing bowls. They sound really cool. I like them. Uh, It was interesting. I was going to comment on Kathy's share over here. I was like, it's very interesting because I feel like a lot of people come to the conclusion with uh, people that are nonverbal or just have trouble speaking
1: that they need to –
3: downplay their words, so to speak, and use less of them. Uh, And I always find this interesting because people that I've encountered that are nonverbal, I don't do that myself. And I grew up with somebody that mainly used uh, echolalia and Disney quotes um, when they were speaking. And at least for me, it didn't seem like they lacked the understanding or comprehension of the words. They just seem to lack the ability to verbalize it themselves with their mouth. And I um, think a lot of people that uh, are called nonverbal actually understand a lot more than people give credit for, especially from what I hear uh, online and everything. A lot of people that are commenting in groups and stuff like that uh, are nonverbal or qualified as nonverbal when a child. And the amount of understanding that you get out of them—they just didn't have the means at the time in order to communicate their own thoughts—and I just think that you're um, going in the right direction with that. That's all. <laughs> it's fun to hear about.
1: Thank you. It's good to know, <laughs> and it's great awareness as well. Um, you know that you've pointed out in terms of, um, there is actually more understanding than we realize.
2: Yeah, and I think it's very common. Um, i run across that so much when you have a nonverbal child. I think the kind of natural instinct is to not speak as much. So you have to really kind of consciously make a point of speaking more and almost narrating sometimes what's happening. And there's these, you know, Naoki who wrote this book is nonverbal, you know, and he is a a lot of people have brilliant minds, they just can't, can't express it. And yeah, so we always assume, because even if they're not picking up all of the words, like you said, the energy of how you're coming across in a supportive way is really important as well. Because, you know, some of these kids are so sensitive that they notice, you know, your facial expression or your body language. So, yeah, thank you for for adding that, especially
3: if, especially if they're familiar with you. I find I'm very terrible with strangers' body language. But when I'm familiar with you, I can definitely interpret your behavior very, very well. And I'll notice a shift almost immediately um, and respond to it. I definitely think that somebody we're familiar with just knowing that they're being supportive even through their body language and everything is very helpful. And it's just, at least now and for this time, there's just amazing technology now.
2: Yes, 100% so true. Yeah. Bella, do you want to read the few comments that,
0: there? We deviated a little bit from the topic. <laughs> but just before I read the comments, I just uh, I I totally want to you know to testify for my daughter because as you probably all know she started speaking like single words um at the age of four and with my help and then I started helping her you know even more especially with the help of songs and musical games and um all of that and the speech therapy training that I had as a teacher in school um and now she's six she can speak in sentences and so on and sometimes I'm asking her do you remember when you when there was a time when you couldn't quite speak um, and um, I didn't, I, I, I asked that not particularly as a reflection for her. I didn't think she can really reflect on that. I, I, I just asked that to highlight the amazing progress she's made, you know? Um, and then uh, she started remembering lots of things I was telling her when we were doing together and she actually can tell me things that happened when she was like two years old. Which is really amazing, so um, that proved to me that actually she understood a lot more. I mean, she understood hundreds percent more than she was able to say because she was not able to say anything, she was just staring at us, and that's it um so um, yeah, definitely keep doing that, Taffy. The comments talk about singing bowls, so apparently they are great. The larger they are and the deeper and the smoother is the sound. So you guys, you should be trying that. (laughs) Yes, in my meditation class, I had a tutor who played a metal bowl. Yay! If you put water in the singing bowl, the vibration ripples. (laughs) And they are so
1: soothing to watch, so... That's definitely something I might want to try. <laughs> can I just yeah. check Oh, singing bowls? The the um the they're like vessels that have, and you've got like a a, a rod that you. Yeah. Yes, that's
3: <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs>
1: so, like meditation. Yeah and,
3: a,
2: yeah, and there's a vibration that your body can feel, and I think probably for some people it's really relaxing.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I have to say part of the, um, uh, yes, why music works is for all of these vibrations that autistic people and children really, really love. And that's why, you know, like classical guitar is a really big one and drums and the piano, they can feel all of that. Um, yeah, so singing bowls, I can understand why they like them. Maybe if I had experienced, I'm sorry, I was not with you guys. And I kind of said I'm not a fan, but I've never experienced like real ones. I All all I've seen in YouTube videos, so maybe that's why I was not a fan. But like you convinced me, it's like four or five people in here trying to convince me.
2: They're
0: not changed. You need to check it out, Bella. Yes. Oh yes. Thank
2: you. Yeah, like I said, maybe.
0: What was that? I I just said we moved from the topic with the singing bowls, but obviously, (laughs) (laughs) okay, that's okay.
2: That's okay. Um, So we're about to kind of wrap up, and I just did want to comment on, on what you said about your daughter understanding everything. I have seen that so many times where I've been talking to parents and the autistic child looks totally in their own world they're not paying any attention and then they'll do something or say something that makes you realize they heard exactly what we were talking about you know so it's it's so true and also to be a little careful what you say in front of your your nonverbal child because they may hear everything
1: <laughs> well before you wrap up um jen yeah last bit of um the chapter and that was um naoki saying that um people i think he can be misunderstood or people that are autistic can be misunderstood and i think that's a very very good point you know as we're talking about the non-verbal versus verbal side um because i was going to raise um you know, meltdowns in terms of, um, I find that's when, you know, my son is misunderstood the most because he's nonverbal. Um So, yeah, that's just something that I wanted to bring up uh, whilst we're here. Um, that, you know, that breakdown that Naoki talks about, um, it is good for people to know um, that when someone is um, having a meltdown or a, a breakdown, Um, and they're on the spectrum, it is just, it can be a struggle in um, responding to instructions, it can be self-regulation, it can be processing issues. So um, I think sometimes I feel that um, if we don't, I don't want to use the word educate, but if we don't tell people, that this is what's happening um in terms of this is what we're going through um as people are autistic then people can't really understand so it's just raising that awareness as well um like naoki was trying to in that chapter mm-hmm. yeah so it is yeah. it, it is yeah i think that's where the misunderstanding comes from isn't it well part of it most of the time people don't understand if you see someone having a meltdown you just think well was going on, but the chances are that they, it it is just they're trying to be understood. So yeah.
3: And I also think, I always found that this comparison helps other people have more empathy for autistic people in that moment, because I know we can seem quite off the wall. Um, I've done some crazy and said some crazy things in the bits of a meltdown, um, and felt very embarrassed afterwards. Uh, Mm. But I think not everybody quite gets that meltdowns and shutdowns are not like uniquely autistic traits that anybody can experience this. Um, But usually you see external outward uh, context for their stress. You see uh, they've been overworking themselves, not taking breaks, not sleeping enough. You see all this when a typical person does get a meltdown and starts yelling and not acting like themselves and they look extremely stressed and they say things they don't mean and that type of thing. It does occur in typical people, um, but usually you see the external signs of stress happening. With an autistic person, a lot of it's internal happening. The sensory issues, Mm -hmm. the issues with Mm -hmm. emotional regulation um, and All of this stress that we are going under day to day um, and coping with and not being able to communicate with those around us and being able to tell people how we are feeling and what's going on with us um, is so stressful that we're experiencing something that usually grown adults experience when they're experiencing extreme stress from outside work, their family life, and all these different things is happening to a young child, I feel like that creates a lot more empathy because it has some uh, connections, so to speak, that other people can empathize with and understand, oh, this is how much stress this child is under. That's why they're breaking down like this. This is why they're having such a hard time. They're experiencing the amount of stress that usually you only see in a grown adult that has a lot of responsibilities and a lot of stressors in their life. Um I just wanted to mention that because I had explained it that way to um another adult recently and they seem to understand it better than I have explained it in the past.
1: That's a very good way of it. thank you. Thank you.
2: Aww. Thanks, Mackenzie. Yeah. Bella there you want to read the comments that came in around that. <sighs>
0: my son (laughs) highly emotions learning content my son is non-verbal and doesn't understand much English but it's amazing how much he picks up and understands so you have a question Taffy or probably to all of that Shulzo7 says Taffy said we should communicate that the meltdown is due to being autistic I think it's important to highlight this in the workplace how can we support and? autistic person express this at workplace in the workplace any ideas i don't quite work with adults (laughs) so excuse me i can't think of anything question um i don't think i quite
3: understood
0: it yeah so um the question is i think uh, how can we support an autistic person express um, that the meltdown is due to being autistic in a workplace, so does it make sense now?
3: Yes, um and it's unfortunately really hard to do that um at least in my experience. Uh, I am lucky enough to have more of a retreating reaction, um, and I tend to shut down. More often than I have meltdowns, um, and my general strategy for work is I would hide in places. Um, I I did that in school, too. Uh, hide, find a quiet place, that would be my general thing. Unfortunately, um, I also have a history of not staying at workplaces very long. Um, I wish I had more uh, supportive or kinder news in that area, but... Um, In my experience, I have eventually found a type of job that works for me. uh, Versus, because the work environment, if they are not being understanding and not asking questions and being like, "What is it? What do you need?" If you're autistic and that type of thing, and not questioning you on that, it's very hard to bring it up as the autistic person and uh, be like, these are my needs, and this is what I need in this environment, and this is why this is happening. It's an incredible pressure on the autistic person uh, doing that. I have gotten Instacart, a job where I can stop at any time I want. Um, it's less pressured to my executive functions. I have actually been lucky enough uh, recently, I, I've uh, gotten job offers from somebody that wants to create a program to help uh, autistic employees be trained. Um, and uh, this uh, pr- place is ABLE and San Rafael, and they are also take care of a lot of neurodivergent and autistic people are in their care uh, as clients. It's very interesting, because it's unfortunately the reality is some places are just not as accommodating as others. Um, and I wish it wasn't like that. And I really want to work towards making places that are more accommodating and more understanding and asking more questions and uh, being more empathetic towards autistic people. Um, I think this is one of the places that is going to turn out to be like that. I was contacted my sister's employer to see if I was willing to work there and help out with that program. I'm really excited to say I am going to. But the employer, I can already tell, is, has knowledge of autistic people and is asking how I would like to be introduced to the environment, how uh, I'd like to start oh, to be familiar, how they can help with my needs and accommodation and they're willing to work with me. Um, it's really hard outside of that type of environment to maintain employment and thrive in that employment rather than be exhausted in it. Again, I wish I was more positive, but that seems to be the reality from my point of view.
2: I think that's such a good explanation, Mackenzie. It's so true, and it really does need to be a good job match to begin with, that it fits your strengths, and that it doesn't, it's not a triggering environment, and that they are supportive, and that the environment, if you do have meltdowns, they're able to you know accommodate and do what you need or maybe even help you through it Um, yeah so it's definitely not every workplace could could um, would be a good setting for something like that Mm -hmm. thank you I guess being open
1: being open and um, creating um, opportunities to be able to share as well um, your challenges and your needs Yeah, yeah, and also and visibility. You know, I'm just coming from someone who is from a minority background. I think seeing people who are like me um, helps me to um, to communicate. You know, the challenges that I might have, and like Mackenzie saying, the more um, inclusive employers are. Um, so having people who are neurodivergent um, helps um, other people who. Could be um, facing the same challenges to join that workforce and to be more open. Yeah, it's it's slowly changing, but very very slow. That's excellent happy so point. That I
3: have heard from a lot of people that they are taking a more active um, active role in trying to make the work uh, more accommodating, and people are asking more about that, and that's that is wonderful to hear. Um, mm-hmm. because I just think of my job history and how much better it could have been had I, one, been able to communicate my needs um, much better uh, after a few years and getting my actual diagnosis. I know what I need in the work environment now, but um, the just especially this recently and getting that offer, it's just um, makes me so much more optimistic for the future that people want to make a place for us
2: and want us to thrive, and that it will be better in the future. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That warms my heart. <laughs> it is oh, a star. No yes, yes, absolutely. You know, and I just a real quick that there are some of the bigger tech companies are recruiting autistic people because their brains are so amazing with technology. Not You know, of course, not everybody, but... Um, they understand the neurodiverse brain can be such an asset too, so.
3: Yeah, I think the tech companies are definitely ahead of the game. Um, I think the only people that kind of uh, suffer in that area are the people that are not good at tech. <laughs> um,
2: exactly, exactly.
3: Because <laughs> right. I am one of those people, right. for sure. Um, the only reason I'm that good <laughs> is because I started my YouTube channel and all that. I am technology horrible for me. Um Carol. <laughs> Me too. Oh. right that's probably a little stereotype
2: isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah everybody's everybody's different
0: <laughs> so um
2: bella do you want to read the comments and then we'll go ahead and
0: no yeah, just that uh, yeah just that um shell's uh, always thanking um mackenzie for the answer and realizing it is important to raise awareness um, and uh, and support autistic people in their workplace. And it does show that there is a lot of work to do, which I agree, but at the same time, I'm happy that it started because if I think in my line of work, like being a teacher, or uh, if I think like 10 years back, nobody was mentioning that, <laughs> to be honest. Nobody was saying in the staff room that they were autistic and I don't think they were hired anyway in being a teacher and then um, just before I left my school hired uh, a male teacher who said he was autistic and the school did try to make different adjustments for him for the staff meetings for the parents and um, and he was still saying he was struggling with different baits and so on he was a very good teacher Uh, But it was good to see that there were some adjustments, you know, made and um, sometimes he didn't even know what he needed himself to kind of function better in the school, in the staff room or at lunch times and so on. He didn't know himself because, you know, he just spent most of his, you know, studied life by himself somewhere, you know, he didn't particularly need to go in the staff room, socialize and meet with the 30 parents at the parents' evening meetings, you know. (laughs) So um, he was kind of exploring and discovering for himself. But I still think it's good. So I still I still think it's good. Yes, there might be a lot of work to do, but there is. There is a start that started somewhere. That's <laughs> going, and you know, with advocates like Mackenzie, with uh, parents like Taffy advocating for their own children, with therapists like you, <laughs> and if we do little bit of work, <laughs> yeah. we do a little bit of work. We we raise awareness through everything we do, either you know, willingly, willingly or unwillingly, if that's the word <laughs> because, if you advocate for your child, you are raising awareness anyway, even though you just wanted to help your child, <laughs> not particularly educate 20 people, you know. but: yeah.
1: That's true., Well, well that's- end up doing that, right: <laughs> That's true. And I will um, confess that um, Shelzo is my friend, and she is um, trying to drive uh, more inclusive workplaces. So um, she's, uh, she's in um, recruitment and human resources so yeah so hopefully she's inspired by her friend having an autistic son so (laughs)
2: absolutely oh that's wonderful
1: yeah
2: feel free to ask us questions and we'll be a resource
1: for you Clubhouse. and to join us on clubhouse to learn more from other autistic adults Um, when it comes to recruiting. That's
2: right, that's right. All right. All right, well, thank you so so much, everybody. Thank you for coming and commenting. And um, I'm just always learning so much and growing. And um, just to have everybody can say a final word and, and Mackenzie also to share where people can find you because... You're amazing, and you raise a lot of awareness. Go ahead, Mackenzie.
3: Thank you so much for that um, introduction and all the conversation was just wonderful, wonderful here today, um, and I learned so much, too, from all of you. I appreciate that. I always like to get asked questions and grow, and you guys can find me at uh, at Gobert, uh under dash, in between those, Um, and my Instagram, and then uh, on my Facebook, it's Autistic Musings, and then on my YouTube channel, Autistic Musings, all the same thing, and if you want to check out any of the other stuff I mentioned, um, oh, if you're really into working out, and you're you're one of those autistic people, um, you should check out my sister at Jordan and Bethany Fitness, she has top quality stuff, but she's a nurse and a fitness coach, check her out. And we also do a YouTube channel together, uh, Lifting the Sweet Life, where we talk about our lives and how we interact as an autistic and neurotypical uh, living together.
2: Very interesting. Very good. Thank you. Taffy, do you want to say any closing comments?
1: Um, yes, thank you so much for um, inviting me, uh, it's always a pleasure to be around you, I've learned so much, I was looking at it, it's been a year um, and I've learned so much from, you know, the likes of you, Bella, Mackenzie, I just think that it reinforces, um, it helps me as a parent um, to be able to un- better understand my son, and um, in the process of doing that, I think it's just raising that awareness, um, it's good, especially um, for our families and friends um and the wider community to understand that with support, um, autism is um you know, it's it's a challenge um that can be overcome really. Um autistic people can live fulfilled and empowered lives. So that's that's me.
2: Thank you, Taffy. I just love um collaborating with you and you're so vulnerable and open and you know, learning and advocating. So I really appreciate that. Bella, you want to say goodbye to everybody?
0: Yes! <laughs> goodbye,
2: everybody!
0: <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Mackenzie and Taffy, and everybody in the audience. You've been fabulous with your comments and your questions. Hi, Mandy. Thank you for joining us last five minutes. You should be next. <laughs> I'll reach to you. <laughs> (laughs) come live with us and yeah if you know um actually because I mentioned this if you know anybody who would be interested in joining us while we read more chapters there's a big book you know we've got lots of chapters we can discuss if you know anybody or if you are interested in coming live or coming live again with us if you've been once you can be more than once you know (laughs) let us know and come and join the conversation. You know, I, I really like the saying from the from the documentary, The Reason I Jump. I like the saying, um, you know, what Ben, one of the characters says, we can change the conversation about autism by being part of the conversation as autistic adults, autistic, um, you know, parents of autistic children. So you know crazy. professionals that work with children that's how we can change the conversations and so come and join us for future lives <laughs> bye bye have a lovely thank day thank you.
2: thank you everybody bye <laughs> bye Diana. I <laughs> just saw you bye. now <laughs>